0: Hi, you're listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. I'm not sure if, you, if that spoke to you, but I'm sure you did. Because all of us, we carry regrets with us. There's things that we've done that we're not proud of. Things that we wish we could redo. Things we wish that you would never happen to us. And a lot of times I think we come at church and we're not really honest and open about the things that we're dealing with. So so I want to spend some time talking about the regrets that we have in our lives, but the hope here is not just to tell you that we all have regrets because that would be depressing. The hope here is to tell you about the hope that we have in Christ, amen? Um, so I remember growing up, I would go to the lake. We lived pretty close to the lake within about a half a mile or so, and um, we would take rocks and we would skip him over the lake. You've done that before, right? Like, and it creates these, you know, kind of like every single time that rock hits, it creates this these ripple effect, right? Like where where there's like, the water just sort of kind of goes in all directions. And, and uh, this Fourth of July, we actually celebrated with our church. And I remember Vaje, he had a paddle board, and he's like, "Well, do, do you want to go on it?" And I'm like, "Do I want to go on it? Is that a question? Of course, I want to go on it." And uh, so I remember I got on the paddleboard and I haven't done it for a very long time. And, and it's the same idea where you have these waves and you're trying to kind of like ride these waves. And I thought I was doing pretty good, but I, I had a really hard time. Where's Vahe? I don't know. Cause I, I need to take some lessons because I, I could not get up. Like I, I was okay, just kind of sit down and paddleboard. But the moment I tried to get up, right, I felt so accomplished. But then I would have to sit right back down because it was – there was no storm, but it was hard, all right? So, uh, so I remember this particular moment, and the whole time, uh, to put this in perspective, um, you know, I went to the party, and, and there was a lot of people there, and I wanted to look good. So I did my hair, um, you know, make sure that I, I have really nice clothes on and everything. And it just so happens when I got there, I saw the paddleboard, and I'm like, I have to go on it. But I can't get wet. So I was very cautious not to fall in. Well, I somehow drifted in the middle of the lake, Lake Washington, and um, I was trying to get back, and by this time I'm thinking like, okay, well, I have to at least stand up, because I can't tell people that I stood up when I didn't. So um, I remember just making it halfway up, and then the, the pure joy that comes when you accomplish something, right? I finally, finally get up, and I'm just like, I got it, right? Just I didn't really know that it was a boat that came right by me. And it was actually quite far away. And I was like, yeah, it's right there. I, I don't have to steer it. But then the wave started to hit. And when it hit my paddleboard, I just sort of flipped. And I went down, and I completely got soaked. My hair was a mess. So there's that. But uh, <laughs> I remember getting back on the paddleboard, and I was like, I never realized how effective waves can be when you have no point of reference right like when you have nothing holding you to the bottom of the ground right like where, where you're just kind of like you drift at sea so needless to say it took me a while to get back but when i did get back most i was kind of dry not really but um i remembered this specific thing that kind of stood in my mind that in the middle of the lake when you get hit with the waves is not exactly a pleasant experience and I think a lot of times our regrets, our waves, are ripple effects of the things that we've said in motion way before. Things that, you know, and just to, if you feel like that, if you feel like you've said something, some things emotions that you wish you, you could take back, but you cannot, don't worry, you're in the right place. So if you have regrets, it's good that you came here. Don't worry, you're in the right place. Because if you look in the Old Testament, Oh boy, did people have regrets! I don't know. For example, like David now sleeping with Bathsheba would be a good thing, and what he set in motion with that sin it destroyed half of his family because of the sin that they, you know. Think of Adam, for example. Not much, just kind of destroyed humanity. You know, the choice Adam and Eve rather right, like the choice that they've made. They set in motion. A, a, a ripple effect that's still affecting today. And I, I often wonder if these people would see through the corridor of time and see the rape and and, and the, the, the poverty and the things that are happening all over the world right now, the ripple effects of the things they've set in motion, would they still choose what they've chosen? I think of Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of soup. Are you that hungry, bro? Like, can't you fast? Have you heard about that? He sold his legacy on a bowl of soup. You can't take that back. It's, it's, it's crazy to think of some of the choices that we make so flippantly, where we just kind of don't really care much about it. We're just like, well, I'm just going through motions. But really, every single choice that you make has ripple effects. And you will start to affect every single thing in your life, around your life, around your family, your legacy, and it could potentially affect your eternity. In Romans five one, says this, and this is the hope, right? Therefore, since we have been made right with Christ and we're in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, what he has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. Think about that. Undeserved privilege, where now we stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we, we, uh, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character is strength of confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loved us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So here's the hope. If you have regrets, the hope is that Jesus Christ came, that you might be set free from those things. He came to to bring you into an undeserved place with God, because here's the problem with the regrets. The moment you start feeling bad about your regrets, there's only two ways you can go. You can either feel even more horrible about yourself, which throws you into a cycle of, "Well, I'm already this, so I might as well do it." Which you do it, and then you re- realize, "Okay, that just reinforces what I've been." So if you've been, in, if you. Have experienced any form of addiction, you know what that could be. What it's an endless cycle of feeling bad and then going to your sin as refuge or to find satisfaction or to self medicate. Because Satan, all he does is he tempts you and then he accuses you. He tempts you and then he accuses you. That's the never ending cycle of regret, right? Like where you're tempted. You do the sin, then he accuses you. What kind of Christian are you? That's his game. And we need to break that cycle. Yeah. We need to say the bucket stops with us. Yeah. I don't care how broken my father was. I don't care how broken my mother was. I don't care how broken my family and dysfunctionally is. The bucket has to stop with me. And I want to make sure that I don't continue this cycle of regret. I don't continue the cycle of abuse. Because if we keep in this, it's this jaded look like, okay, here goes another year, old me. And and I think there's a a newness that comes with a new year, right? Like when you buy something where something happens like new year, new year, new me, like as if, as if the clock moving to, you know, the, the legs of the clock moving like two minutes, you know, past 12 changes your life. No, saying new year, new year, new you, it doesn't really change much. New car, new you, don't don't work. New house, it's not a new marriage, right? So so we try to self-medicate in these things, and really, new us is to find ourselves in Christ. It's not the things that we've been defi- defining ourselves with for, for so long. It's finding ourselves and what God has called us to be, to encounter Him. And as we embrace His grace, we extend His grace. As we embrace him, our lives transform. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 3.18, says that as we behold Jesus, we become like him. What changes us is not your self-help. We're trying to promise yourself you're going to go to the gym this time. Like What changes us is to behold Jesus. As is Jesus is impacting your life and mine, as we see him, as we behold his glory around us, we become like him daily. That is the hope that we have in christ so so just to say that we have a new year will change things he won't. time doesn't heal contrary to what we think it does. How we use time is what actually brings a difference. Are we using our time to encounter him? are you we using it? just because twenty years have passed it, it amazes me that I'll sit down with <clears throat> some of my close people, because I don't want to say they're friends or family, right? Like, and they'll talk about things like they were yesterday, but they were like 25 years ago. And I'm like, how do you still like, how are you still bitter about this? How are you still resenting for this? It's been 25 years, right? Why? Because that cycle is never broken. We need to break that cycle, those ripple effects, because here's the thing. The awesome thing about regret is that it can lead us to repentance regret you know godly sorrow is a good thing so so it's not so much about um i had yesterday we did a podcast with with a friend of mine and he actually works in hollywood and he says Slavik, i got to a point and he says this publicly so i can say it but he says i got to a point where i realized i'm going through depression and i need to face that and and I, i a lot of times, like, I just kind of ignore it and try to go and to either do something online or work on my business, but I was depressed. But he says, you know what? I didn't realize that in that, in that depression there was also a blessing because I hit my b- rock bottom, bottom and I, I decided that I need to go run back to Christ because nothing works. Yeah. So, so my moment, my lowest moment in life, he actually led me to Christ. And he says, I'm thankful for that. Because depression for me was like the pain when you put your hand on the stove. If you didn't feel pain, well, that would not be a good thing. There's actually people like that; they don't feel pain, so they could literally burn their hand and nothing they, 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 until they smell it. Pain is supposed to—I've uh, mentioned this so many times before—but C.S. says that you know God, you know, whispers in our joys; He speaks in our uh, our um, our uh, He. He says, he whispers in our joys, but he screams in our pain. He says the pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. Yes. So when you're going through regrets or depression, or you're going through a, your, your bottom moment of 2018, understand that maybe that's, God has, has, has allowed you to get to that point to realize that what you really need is him, yes. not all those things that you've been pursuing. So regret can actually lead you, if you see God's face, can actually lead you to a good thing. So don't despise those moments. I think some of the greatest triumphs that I had in my own spiritual life was not on the peak of the mountain. It was not when I preached the greatest sermons where I did the greatest ministry. It was in the lowest of the valley where I realized, God, without you, I'm nothing. I need your presence in my life. I don't need to be a, have approval from people where, you know, what I need is you to move in my life. That's what I need, God, in right now. So, so this can go so many different ways. So my question that comes to you, what kind of ripple effects are you setting in motion? Think about that. What kind of ripple effects are you setting in motion? I don't think we realize how important that is. I remember some, you know, a few decades ago, I think it was like the 1960s, there was this guy that people kind of laughed him out of the room because a lot of people didn't really believe. He came with this kind of like, he wrote a doctor's dissertation and, um, well, it was a doctoral thesis rather, and he presented the New York Academy. And the thesis was what we know to date as the butterfly effect. And the thesis said, that basically, just go with me for a second here, because it sounds kind of out there, but it says, if a, a butterfly flapping its wings in Texas could actually cause a storm in Tokyo. So people kind of like laughed him out of the room. They're like, you're insane. Like, that's not, that's just not true. It actually turned out to be true. Now, of course, this is kind of like describing the effect. In 1990, it actually became a law. The law is actually called, I have to read it because it's kind of long. It says the law of sensitive dependency upon initial conditions. So this idea, the small changes at the initial condition of a thing has major consequences down the road. This idea, the initial changes at the initial stages can have major consequences down the road. Now, there's a lot of movies. You probably heard of Butterfly Effect movies and so on and so forth. But the best story that I can tell you of this is something that you ben- benefit. It was something we benefit this morning that you're not even aware of. There was a guy, his name is Joshua Chamberlain. He lived in around 1863, uh, I think, when he actually fought in the war, a civil war. And Joshua Chamberlain, he was a school teacher. And he decided to go sign up you know, to serve his country and sign up for for um military and as he signed him up they made him colonel and he was in charge of about 80 he, he was in charge of this you know amount of people and they were on this hill and every all the historians are pointing to this saying that this battle was the battle that actually won the war the civil war so here you have joshua chamberlain who is in in kind of in charge of about 80 people and he's on this kind of mountaintop and as he's in this mountaintop, there's about 400 men that are from the other side of the war, right? And they're advancing up the hill and they keep on advancing and they realize they're cornered and they're, they can't really go and they're running out of ammunition. After some time, as they are fighting, they realize that they completely ran out of ammunition and they have about 80 people. You can actually go on YouTube right now. You can watch those. Uh, they actually recreated this whole event. Um, And this was a strategic point where it kind of, the the effect of this this battle would have a major effect on, on winning the war. Some people put it as the battle that actually won the civil war. So as he has this 80 men on top of the mountain, no ammunition, he has about 400 men that are trying to advance on him. And this boy that's sitting in the tree saying, they're forming, so they're coming up against us. And as these four hundred people, uh, four hundred men are are kind of like advancing to kind of overtake this this hilltop, Joshua Chamberlain says, Okay, we gonna we gonna actually do what they call a wheel rotation, which is basically like advancing in the wheel form, like old they're gonna run down the hill is what they're saying. And people are like you're crazy, right? Like this is a suicide mission. We have no ammunition, and we're charging them. Like that's just. And Joshua says, "Well, fix your bayonets. If you don't know what a bayonet is, it's a knife that you put on your, on your gun." He says, "Just, just fix them. You're, 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 you're good." So, his brother, um, he had actually two brothers. that was uh, one of them. I think his name was Thomas. Other one is James. I'm, don't quote me on that. But he had two brothers with him. And he says, well, make sure that at least one of us survives because that would be a really sad for mom. So it was a suicide mission, but they decided that in that moment, it's important that they try. Because if the other side were to, you know, um, were to win, then United States would be more like Europe. Like uh, it would be broken up in a, ho- a whole bunch of different countries. Like Texas would be its own country, California and so on and so forth, right? Like it would be different kind of a countries. The other thing is slavery could still be alive. Probably not. Somebody would have abolished it. But it had a lot of consequences. So Joshua does this speech and says, look, they told me if you're not coming with me, then I should shoot you, but I'm not going to do that. But understand that you're not fighting for, you know, for land. You're not fighting for you know, houses. You're not fighting for money. You're, like, you're fighting for the chance for people to be free. You're fighting for the chance for everyone to, to, to not claim someone as a slave. You're, you're, you're fighting for our country to be united as one. So they decided to go on a suicide mission and start running down. And something weird happened where somehow when they start charging down the, the hill, people that were kind of advancing, they got scared thinking that there's a lot more of them. And start running away and as a result they actually were able to apprehend about 400 men that is crazy and one decision of one person we are still benefiting from that today but think of the spiritual realm of the writings of apostle paul the effect that they had on our walk with christ Think of every single choice that may be your godly mom, you know, all her prayers. Think of every single thing that we do and understand that every single small detail matters. When you think it doesn't matter, it does. I, I don't know how much I can stress this. Think of Jesus himself coming into the world and what, people would look at this and say it's most insignificant like some baby what can a baby do and what people thought was the most insignificant thing like it's just not a baby being born god was doing his greatest work so so my thing to use this is this morning understand that god is working in the little things and i think even really good movies they know how to you know You can tell if it's a cheesy movie when they have like this epic music and nothing is really happening on screen, right? You're like, bro, this is not epic by any chance, like, or they have really bad production, but then they have like these big speeches, and you're like, I'm not sure that fits because I'm not fully believing that you were in even in character, right? So we know we understand that life we don't really have epic moments like when you have your epic moment there's no lights and halo and music and and you you don't have that but you look in retrospect you look at that and like that was a very significant moment of my life i mean outside of like getting married outside of like like very significant events most of the time you don't have a light and sound and music as you're kind of conquering the world no, it's, it's little decisions that you make daily that's impacting your neighborhood, that's impacting the church around you, that's impacting your small group. It's little decisions that you make that's causing these ripple effects that, 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 that is impacting the world, world around you. There's um, the verse that, that we just read, and then uh, verse 6 in Romans 5 says this, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners and and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ he will certainly save us from God's condemnation for since our friendship with God was restored by death of his son while we were still his enemies we will cer- certainly be saved through the life of his son so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship because Jesus or our lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God you see when we thought that was not significant. When I look at my own life, when I came to encounter Christ, for me it was significant because I, I, I came and I was, I was crying, I came in front and I was crying and that was such an impactful moment. But that was when I gave my life to Christ. But I look at my own walk with, with Him, it was not epic moments. It was daily choosing to say, God, I'm going to walk with you. You say left, I I think that's right. That's right. So you say right, I'm going to (laughs) right. You say left, I'm going to go left. Every single being faithful, not in the major points of my life only, being faithful in the little things. God, I'm going to honor you when I wake up in the morning. God, I'm gonna honor you with my devotion. God, I'm gonna honor you in how I talk to people. God, I'm gonna honor you when I'm in worship. Because those things, the reason I regret things is because I've missed these moments and I don't get, I don't get to take them back. But if you feel like that, if you feel like maybe you have a lot of regrets that you came with, understand that God can restore the time that you've lost, and He can, He can make you. Jesus, all, all He's done is about three years of ministry from thirty to thirty-three. But the ministry that he's done impacted the world in a way that nobody has ever impacted the world before. And he says that the sp- same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, or the same spirit that lived in Christ lives in you and me. So, so you don't need to have you know uh, an amount of an infinitive like where eternity to make a difference. If you are sixty, if you are fifty, if you are eighteen, regardless how old you are, God can can partner up with you and He can make a difference in whatever influence that you have, be it a school or a work. You don't need to have you know an eternity to do that. So understand that God is how to change the trajectory of your life. And he can do that. Because if there's something that is impossible with God, like, well, he's not God at, at all then. So, so I want to tell you that we choose to walk with him daily because we understand that every single decision, every single word that we say, every single thought that we have matters. It not only just affects me, it affects my fam- family, it affects my legacy, it affects, you know, my eternity. What if we actually started looking at a people like that? What if we start to look at every single decision that we did? Every single commitment that we, once we make a commitment, like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. But then you get there and you're like, uh, sorry, I can't make it. I'm so guilty of that, by the way. Like, It's like you always constantly, like, you just kind of put off commitments that you've made. You, you say things that you don't mean. I say things I don't mean. What if we actually looked at every single detail of our lives and say, how does this glorify God? So I want to give you a few things that you can gr- um, glorify God. And the first one I, I want to do I, I give you is to, to embrace Him, embrace grace, and to grow in Him. You cannot impact the world when your life is a mess. You cannot tell people about being a Christian, when people look at you and you look like a car salesman that doesn't really believe in the product himself but wants to sell it to you, right? You need to be a witness. God has called you not to be a lawyer, to say thou shalt know how awesome I talk. No, God has called you to say, hey, God has changed my life. And because of that, you know, God can impact yours too. A lot of times, I, I, um, every single time I, I, I send the gap for someone, I get a lot of criticism because like well that person's not ready for ministry that person shouldn't be this that person is divorced that person's this that person's that of course there's obviously wisdom that we have we have to exercise and how we lead the church and so on and so forth but i want to tell you that you telling people about christ is not you laying down people for ministry and so on and so forth no you being a witness is saying hey i'm a beggar you're a beggar i know where to find bread come together you know this is not the blind leading the blind no saying jesus will lead you i'm not in a position to lead you but let me show you where to find jesus where i found him let me show you the places let me show you the things that that helped me along the way that's what we do ministry it's not like oh you know maybe some of us were not called to be pastors or preachers and so on and so forth but you're called to be a witness you're called to tell people about what Christ has done in your life. But of course, you can't do that if, he, if you ha- haven't encountered yourself, uh, him yourself. Look at this. At 1 Peter, 2, uh, 1 Peter uh, 2 says this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and the, all the unkind speech like newborn babies. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation crying out for the nourishment now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. And I think this is difficult. It's difficult because, you know, living and walking with the Lord, it's difficult because there's so many different reasons. I want to give you a few quotes that I came across that I think are so powerful. One of them is by David Hunt. He says this, The choice that we face is not, as many would imagine, between heaven and hell. Rather, the choice between heaven and this world. Even a fool would exchange hell for heaven, but only the wise will exchange this world for heaven. What makes it difficult is what Augustine puts it this way. He says, the soul is torn apart because of the painful condition, as long as it prefers the eternal because of its truth, but does not discard the temporal because of its familiarity. So, so what we have here at play, what David Hunt is saying, first of all, it, what he's saying is that, look, Our choices is not between heaven and hell. It's mostly, most of the time is, do I give what, what Satan has put in front of me in this world? Do I give that up for the greater thing that I have in eternity? That is the difficulty because what we have in this world, as Augustine puts it, it's familiar to us. Nice cars are comfortable and it's, you know, maybe cars don't break. I mean, bring you happiness, but it's sure nicer to cry in a car than on a bicycle, right? Like, I'm just saying, right? Like, so it's familiar to us. It's comfortable. You know, money brings security to a certain extent. You know how that goes. Unless the stock market crashes and your dollar is worth it, but worthless, but whatever. That's a different story, right? Like you have where we start to find security and meaning, like knowing people, our social status, you know, is meaningful to us because all people honor me and so on and so forth. And it's so hard to give that up for saying, what's really important is what God says about me. What's really important is eternity. That's the difficulty that we have because we understand the truth that the eternity exists. We understand the truth of eternity, but it's really hard to give up what's so familiar to us. But when you encounter Christ, like Apostle Paul, he says, I consider it all rubbish for the excellencies of knowing Christ. It's like, what exactly are you saying here, Paul? Because you went from the elite to being the, the one who was being persecuted. You went from persecuting people to being persecuted. What exactly are you telling us here? What he's saying is, what I found in eternity is so much more than these things that can offer me. So make sure that you encounter Christ and you grow in him. You're not doing anyone a favor if you're a crippling, a Christian. You're just, you're just not. We have to embrace him. We have to make sure that our life changes every single day. Now, if you feel like you've been a Christian for a long time and you don't see a major change, don't despair. Sanctification is not overnight process. It's a lifelong process. And a lot of times you might think you're not making progress, but look how far you've come. Just because you're not there where you thought you're going to be this year, it doesn't mean that you haven't come so far, you know? So, so, so don't despair if you feel that you didn't go far enough. Look at how, you've, how far you've come. The second thing is, is that after we grow or after we are submersed, you know, and that's why we have growth track, just shameless plug in there. You know, it doesn't happen today, but you should be part of Growth Track, which is, by, by the way, since I'm already talking about it, it's a place. That, <laughs> this is how you do advertising in the middle of the sermon. Um, this is a place where if you find out, if you need to find out more about our church, um, you know, this is a place where we tell you our vision and how we're planning on reaching our city. Um, but, you know, grow personally and also grow with, with the church. The second thing is make sure that you serve. Make sure that you serve maybe you are a college student that, that is broke maybe you don't have the money but you have time you know well if you don't have homework but you know this is where you have to prioritize your time you know uh, in matthew uh in mark ten forty four says this and whoever wants to be the first among you must be a slave of everyone else that's some powerful words for even the son of man came not to be served but to to serve others and give his life as ransom for uh, for for many think about that the son of man came to wash our feet to serve us he took what we know as the you know, the CEO and corporate pyramid where the CEO is in charge of all things and, and he kind of like everyone sort of serves the greater cause and the pockets of the CEO and Jesus sort of flipped that up upside down and says, okay, the greatest of you will serve everyone else. Good luck, right? <laughs> That's a thing like now you have, you have to serve everyone above you. Right, right. So, so so in that sense, God has called me to serve the leaders to serve the volunteers, so the volunteers can serve you. That's some some like trick that the kingdom of God completely just turned that upside down. Serve, but why don't we serve? Well, we have a lot of excuses. I'm new. We kind of talked about where I'm too young. Well, God didn't really wasn't okay with that. You know, excuse on the Old Testament. Think of Samuel. Think of David, right? God called them to ministry way before people would actually take them seriously as, you know, adults. So if you're young, if you're seven or eight, totally fine. God has called you to serve. God has called you to walk with him. If you're 80, I don't think we have anybody 80 here, but that's awesome. (laughs) God has called you to serve. Uh, Another excuse we have is, I'm still hurt and I need a, a need of healing. And that's a tough one because... There's a lot of hurt that happens. Um, Dennis, I was talking to him last night and says, bro, like honestly, Hollywood is a place where people are so anti Jesus. And when you ask him, they're like, yeah, I've been to church and I've been cast out and I'm still dealing with that hurt. So, so it's, it's, this is, and I'm like, well, there's no really easy answer. I think this is where, you know, please understand that if you're being hurt by the church, I guarantee you that you've also hurt some people too. I know that's a that's a very painful thing and that that, that doesn't excuse what some churches have done. But what I want to say is that people are to make people will make a mess out of it, anything that they get a hold of. And when you come to Jesus, you're not coming to a system, you're not coming to a structure, you're coming to embrace Him. And in the church, just like my family, you will have hurts. In my family, there's hurts. But in this chaotic thing in the family, we learn how to first love one another, how to forgive, how to be restored. And the best illustration I can give you this is a professor got a whole bunch of rocks that were very kind of like, had a lot of like rough edges and put them in this shaker, you know, like you, you get those shakers at Home Depot, they, they shake your paint, right? So, so put them in this, you know, um, bucket and close it up, put oil in there, right? And then put all these rocks in there and then... Let, left her overnight next day comes over um and pulls these rocks and they're all smooth that's church for you all of us come in here we have our own like little you know weird tendencies and and things that we don't can't forgive people and like people have done me wrong and all though all those things and god puts us all together and pours the holy spirit as oil, and then we keep on bumping into one another until He smooths every single one of us and it's perfect you know, what am I telling you is that be willing to be hurt. Because for God to deal with some of the wounds and things that are festering beneath, that he has to open them up. Yeah. And the reason you're hurt is because maybe someone of authority tried to, to abuse that authority. And then you start projecting other people in the church. And you're like, this hurts. I don't want to... Like, for example, if I had an infection in my, my arm, I don't look forward to having a surgery. I don't look forward to being put on in the sleep. I don't look forward to the pain, but it's necessary. You can't put a bandaid on that and be like, oh, you're good, but probably you're fine. And if you come to church and you're not dealing with your past hurts, it's like putting a bandaid on it and saying, ah, oh, you'll go home, you'll be fine. You won't be fine. Pastors will come and get it up in your business and 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 like start dealing with your stuff. Uh, yesterday, actually on Friday, uh, Vitaly actually does our um, our, our um, stage here. Like he's got he's gone today, but I remember he came up to me and I'm like, "What's up, bro?" He's like, "What's up, man?" And I'm like, I "Got a problem?" He's like, "I got a problem." I'm like, "It's good. I'm a pastor. Good thing bring bring all your problems to me." <laughs> right? Like, so you have problems, and God will bring people in your life. To start unpacking those things and say, "Hey, let's let's deal with this. You, you've been hurt. Let's let me show you what Christ, how Christ has healed me through this." Amen. So, so when we have hurts, I know it's a sensitive issue, but please understand that the church is a place where we're gonna we're gonna have hurts, but also we're gonna learn how to forgive and be restored. Um, few more things, and I'm I'm gonna do um a call to to, and then we, we're gonna close, but. Another things that people say, like, well, I'm just not talented. All of us are. If you are not talented, if you don't have any talents at all, you're probably called to leadership. (laughs) I am not even joking with you. Because when I get when I see our our musicians, they get behind, I'm like, How? I can't even carry a note. You sing and you play the piano and you have your eyes closed. Great. Like how? And they have such freedom, just like when, for example, Carolina, like she just does her thing. And I'm like, how? Like you can worship, you can pray at the same time, you can play, you can sing at the same time. Like I can't. But if you're not talented, most likely God has called you to get a whole bunch of people that are talented together and start leading them. You know, so so don't despair. You're talented. Your talent, talent is just leadership. You're gonna have to get. You're gonna have to learn how to kill your ego and work with other people because you're not talented, so you need them. <laughs> Makes sense, right? You shouldn't take that long to figure that out, right? <laughs> or people say stuff like, it's just not my calling. And when my mom tells me that, like when my mom tells me to take off the garbage, like, or take the garbage out, <laughs> if I tell her that that's not my calling, well, I'd find my calling really quick. <laughs> so, so things, you'll have a calling in the church but there will be things that will have to be done. Now, I'm going to get really raw with, with you for a second. Did you know, for example, that, for example, Tanya Onishuk, she's not here, she's on retreat right now, or Tanya Bernick. Um, did you know that she hasn't been in church for, like, last six months? You know why? Because she's always with kids. She hasn't been here. And you know why? It's because we don't have enough help. And the kids and we have a lot of things that we a lot of hoops that we have to get through because these are kids so we have to have three people all the time if some, a kid wants to go to the bathroom we have to have two people take that kid to the bathroom like so there's a lot of logistics put in place so she has to have a certain amount of volunteers it just so happens that people sort of cancel in last minute and she always has to serve and I think as a church we can do better I think as a church she needs to enjoy service sometime. I know it's it's kind of a raw and honest moment, but as a church, we need to do better. And, and if it's not your calling, please understand there's going to be plenty of garbage to take out in the church. There's going to be plenty of chairs to set up. There's going to be plenty of things that it's not really your calling. Me and Pastor Russell, Pastor Vasile was preaching when we started the church. Me and Pastor Russell were unclogging the women's bathroom because there's, the bathroom didn't work. That's what you had to do. Service is not an amazing thing like i know that it's more elegant to get up here and preach but ultimately we we do all these things not because for people like you're not doing it for me you're not coming to my house to cut my grass so i'm just saying but like you're coming to to do this for christ this is what he's called you to do amen so so this idea that like i'm not talented i'm not it's not my calling that's just not true we all can wash feet in obviously not the literal sense, but you know what I mean. We all can serve our neighbors. We all can open doors. We all can do things to make people feel welcome here. We all can serve our kids. The crazy thing about Tanya is that she doesn't have any kids. And she's serving the kids in here. But I mean, I can go on and on and on, talk about their ushers and, and the people. They're always, it's the 20% that like, there's certain people here that I just text him for anything I need because I know it's going to get done. And they keep on doing it over and over and over. So I don't spend too much time on that. But last thing we want to mention is you're going to have to share your faith. You're going to have to grow in your faith. You're going to have to f- serve. And then you're going to have to share. Now sharing, a lot of people say like, well, I'll allow my life to speak. No, you have to preach. You really have to tell people about the, you hope, the, the, the hope you have w- within. First Peter 3.15 says that, you know, be ready to give an account for the hope that you have within. Don't just rely that my life will preach. If you are sitting in a plane with someone for two hours and you'll never see him again, don't hope that your life will preach. You're on your best behavior when you're stuck in with a whole bunch of people and a tube that's going 35,000 miles through through the cloud, right? Like, you're on your best behavior. So, so I'm just saying that we're going to have to actually tell people about Christ. I'm amazed by people like Haniel, where today I was like, bro, I really need you to go pray because I really don't have anybody else. And he was just like, I'm coming. I'm going, <laughs> Right. But then he's probably brought more people to this church than anybody else in this in this place. Somehow he has this thing where he goes and sits down with someone and, hey, you know, have do you know Christ? There's some people that came, some people that came here today because of him. They're here for the first time. By the way, thank you for coming. Because it was people like the Hunyad that brought him in. This is what I hope the go in 2018, uh, 2019. I'm reliving that again. um, is that we take this seriously. And we learn to say, God, I'm not going to be defined by, oh, I'm going to do big, great things one day. God, I'm going to look at every single task that you give me and say, God, how can I honor you in this task? Because this task can bring someone to church. Some of you are sitting here because a friend brought you here. Some of you are here because someone took you in when you didn't have a place to stay. Some of you came in this place where some of you have a relationship with Christ because of a conversation that you have with someone. I, I love how C.S. Lewis puts it this way, um, that there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortals. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is our to our life as in gnat. But it is immortals we joke with. <laughs> marry and snub and exploit, immortal horrors to everlasting splendor. So what he's saying is, every single person that you meet, you are either drawing them closer to Christ or farther away. Every single action that you do, either exploits someone or builds someone's life up. Every single thing that you do has ripple effects everywhere. So, so, So I encourage you, that you would have a godly effect i want to encourage you that you leave a godly legacy matthew 28 uh, 18 says this jesus came and told his disciples i have given you all authority in heaven and on earth therefore go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit teach him these new things to do and obey i have given you uh, and be sure of this i am with you always even to the ends of the age what a powerful you know statement jesus is with you i want to call you to prayer in a few minutes here and i want to say this is that if you've been dealing with regrets or the things that you wish you've done in 2018 and you're going to 2019 and to a certain extent you might think well i don't i don't want to repeat what happened in 2000 Eighteen. Well, it's going to start with right after the service, right even in this prayer. You never know. Maybe the decision that you make this morning to follow after Christ, it's a, you, not, you might not feel any different. You might not feel like things are changing and everything is drastically new. But a small decision of you saying, I'm going to follow after Christ, can change your whole life. A small decision saying, I will choose to live in light of eternity. And every single conversation and every single thing that I do will have an impact. These are the things. And, and I think a lot of times when we look at the Bible, we kind of look at the Bible as suggestions. But there's not a commandments in there. And if we claim that Jesus is the Lord and Savior... I think that the greatest difficulty in coming to Jesus is that we realize that we're no longer in control. We're no longer the guy behind the steering wheel. Jesus is now your co-pilot. He's your captain. You know, you're probably in the trunk somewhere. But he is in charge. He leads you, right? He's the one who is leading you. It's not, what do I want to... Every single time you walk out of this place, it's easy to go talk to your friends, but there's people in here that came this morning. They're looking for a connection. They're looking for someone to say you matter. And this conversation matters. I remember so many times a youth ministry where you have this kid who will come up in front of you and they're like, Slavi, I I, I really want to serve. And you're like, bro, hang on. Like, just quiet down. What do you have to say? Like, I just want to serve. And why? Because they felt like they're not important enough to talk to you for some reason, which is weird. They need someone to tell me you matter. You matter to me to listen to you. You matter to me, for me to spend my life trying to help you along the way. I hope that we become this church where we look at every single thing that we do not as something, oh, we just do kids ministry. You do realize the kids need pastoring too? You do realize that everything that we do, if if Victor didn't get me like to sound like you probably wouldn't hear much and if a worship team were the stage wasn't set up like all these people like i, I love this analogy that Apostle paul gives that we are a body right like every single organ has a function and it's a beautiful thing like our orchestra like we just had the concert right imagine if orchestra all decided to play on their own tune how's that not very pleasant they do that at the beginning to tune in right and you're like that sounds very odd but when they play in a unison, it's just the most amazing thing. Like I had to put it on my story like 200 times, right? Like that's what church is supposed to be. Where people bring their gifts and my gift as a pastor or as a preacher or as a teacher, right? Like it's not for me to feel important. It's, it's for me to serve the church with. Whatever God has called you to do is he called you to use your gift to serve the body. And when everyone is playing their instrument the best they can, what a beautiful harmony of a city coming together saying, we will live in light of eternity. Christ is our king. That's the hope of the gospel. It's not the little fights that we have in the process. It's not the tuning process that we have to have. It's when we come in harmony and the world looks in and says, christ is not christians are not about the things they stand against about the things they stand for that is hope restoration love kindness gentleness all these things the fruits of the spirit so on and so forth so i'm asking this morning if you have not made jesus the, the lord of your life that you would make him the lord of your life today i don't know what you heard about jesus what were your experiences with him? If some of you might know Jesus, but maybe this is a time to recommit your life to Christ again. Cause you've you've known Jesus, but you've walked like you don't know him. You've had those friendships before, right? Like where you know each other, but you have a fight, and you pretend like you don't know each other, and it's the most awkward thing ever. Cause you're like, we used to be friends. <laughs> I hope that you can encounter him this morning. I hope that you look at your life not as happenstance and as a whole bunch of coincidence, but as every single choice matters. It matters that you will affect your family. I don't know how we going to be in eternity, but I hope that all of us meet there and say, remember the struggles. Remember the pain. But God has pulled us through. And we are here. I remember, um, I think it was Rich... Rich, I forgot his last name. But he died in 19 like 80s or 90s. But he had this amazing song that I used to sing when I was a kid, like "Thank you friend for bringing me to the Lord. One day for people that brought you to Jesus. You will see him there." So I really hope this impacts you this morning. I really hope that you can take this message and say, God, I will live differently in 2019. And next week, we're going to have a vision about 2019 and so on and so forth. But I hope that as we close 2018, that we're not defined by our regrets, but say, God, I want to just celebrate the things that you've brought me through. I want to look at the things, how far I've come and celebrate that and repent for what I have to repent. But at the same time, I want a new, fresh perspective on what you called me to do and to look at things like they matter because they do. Amen. So would you stand up with me right now? We're going to pray. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance. And until next time, God bless you.